Thank God he was relentless. You know, that he came after you and came after me. How many of us gave him opportunities to <laughs> maybe forget it? You know, how many, how many times did, did maybe we have a false start? Or how many times were we offered the opportunity and yet we turned away? And, you know, we, we gave him an opportunity to, to quit. But like we talked about around Easter time, he, 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 he goes after that lost sheep till it's found. He is relentless. No, nothing you can do can change that. Nothing you can do in your life can make him not be there for you. Nothing you're going through, nothing that's being done to you, nothing that you face will make him not love you, not accept you, and not forgive you. It's his nature to love you, to be relentless, to go after you and me to accept us and to forgive us. Serve such a loving God. Let's pray this morning. Father, we love you and we worship you and we thank you for this time together. I thank you, Father, that you are relentless. Father, not just to go after us, but you're relentless to pour out your blessing in our life. You're relentless, Father, in your teaching. You're relentless in your leading. You're relentless, Father, in your healing. You're relentless, Father, in your burden your burden destroying anointing being poured out and flowed into our life father you're relentless to pour out your spirit in our lives and in this world through us and we thank you for it today as we hear your word we open up our hearts we open up our ears to hear father and we thank you that the seeds of your word go in and rest in good ground father and that they raise up a harvest in our life as it says in mark that it will bring forth fruit father that it won't be kicked by the wayside and it won't wither away and it won't be crowded out by the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches, Father. But the good word that goes in our hearts today, Father, will grow up a good harvest in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. God is good, huh? It's good stuff. We're talking now, you know, over the last couple of weeks, I guess yesterday or last week and this week and, and, and next week we'll finish up this little series on love, acceptance, and forgiveness. And last week we shared on Mother's Day about love like a mother just to go out there and really truly pour out the love of God everywhere that you go. And, and as we talk about the vision of victory, which really truly is, is to share, to bring or to share the love, acceptance and forgiveness of Jesus with everyone, both locally and globally and helping people find Jesus and helping people love him more. That, that's who we are, what we do and, and kind of how we do it a little bit. But as we go through the love, acceptance and forgiveness, we can't, we can't ever escape the, the love part. <laughs> I mean, that, that part will pop up to today. It'll pop up next week when we talk about forgiveness. You know, John, 1 John 4, 8, God is love. No doubt about it. And that's who he is. That's what he pours out. And when you come to him, you come to him because of love. Somebody didn't chide you into it. Somebody didn't trick you into it. You came and, and you, you came to Christ because you felt the love of God. You needed a change. You needed something to happen in your life. You knew you were a mess. You knew you might have made some mistakes. You knew you might have been a wretch. I don't know. Maybe you were five, six, seven, eight years old, or maybe it was you as the one person who has just had nothing but wonderful life and, and just done nothing but praise him. Uh, okay, you, but you know the love. The rest of us, we needed the love because we've been through some stuff and we've been through some mistakes. And it said in John three sixteen, right in 17, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever should believe will be saved. He didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, it says, but he sent his son into the world so that the world through Jesus might be saved. 
Then he asks us in John, now go in love. Jesus came as love. He gave his life for us in love. And then he put his love on the inside of us and said, now you go love. I love the, I mean, the, the Bible to me is, 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 is simple. The, the, the gospel is simple. The word, the word that we read, sometimes we make it very complicated. But it, it, it is very simple. Just like we've always said, the word of God is truth. If you live the word, you're going to be blessed. So just go out and live the word. Well, how do I do that? Well, just live like Jesus did. Read something new in the word today, then live that way tomorrow. Well, that's hard to do. Ah, well, I guess it's hard in the flesh, but it's not hard in the spirit. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. So he asks us, actually commands us in John to go and love one another. And now part of, our, part of our commandment, part of our commission, part of the vision of this church is love. And then the next part that we talk about really truly today is that part of, of, of acceptance. Now, now, now there's, a, there's a fine line here, and you have to realize and understand something. We, we are not, I just talked about it at the announcements there as we talked about Christians United for Israel. We are not backing down on the stand and the stance of righteousness. We do not redraw the lines of what is right and what is wrong as far as the word is concerned. We don't redraw the line between what is sin and what isn't sin. But here is the situation. We accept the folks who are walking in sin. Because we were all once one of those. And thank God he accepted us where we were. We're going to talk about that just a little bit today. But what we have to realize and understand is, as I talk about this, I'm not saying that we're going to abdicate the fact that, you know what, sin is okay. Because sin is not okay. The wages of sin is death, and that, that is not great. Because there are people in this world today who are walking in sin, who are living in sin, and who are going to die and go to hell. And that is not why Jesus came and died on the cross. To have some pious standard that says, well, you're just all going to die and go to hell because you just can't get it right. That's not true. The world is back and forth, and we're going to talk a little bit because gay marriage is such a big issue and such a big topic. I'm just telling the president, Mr. President, you are wrong in your stance. It's not right. It is not right. And we as a group, we, I like North Carolina standing up and saying, giving everybody basically the spiritual finger and saying, all y'all up yours, we ain't doing that. And I like that's all good. I'm not I got no problem with that. It's the spiritual finger. It's not the real one. So, I mean, if you want to... But the spiritual finger is going out and voting righteousness. And you're giving the spiritual finger to the enemy and all those who are coming against. And see, I mean, that, that, become, that is such a hot-button topic. But here's the deal. I love the people who are in that lifestyle. But I do not appreciate, nor do I tolerate, nor will I accept that lifestyle as being okay. Because it's not. The Bible's very clear. So as we talk about acceptance, as we talk about bringing people into the fold, as we talk about this idea that says, you know what, I love you regardless of where you are and what you're going through, realize we have a stance. We understand righteousness and we understand sin and we understand the Word of God. And as the Word of God leads us in this direction, we will not back down nor will we redraw that line. But if we're going to be a church walking in love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus Christ, we better love all folks and we better accept them right where they are. Because I haven't found a place in here yet where it says that people got to get it straight and got to get it right and got to get out of their life before they can come to the church, before they can come to Christ. It doesn't say that. So we, as the, as the body of Christ, we as the church, we need to rise up and say, you know what? I, I can argue sin all day. I can argue the fact what is right and what is wrong. But I cannot condemn you as a person for walking in that thing because I love you as a person and Jesus died for you as a person. My definition of acceptance, because, you know, when you have difficult terms and difficult times and difficult things, I made up my own dictionary. 
So y'all are probably trying to figure out some of my stuff. I got some, I got some weird isms that I say and that I do. But really, it's the act of looking past the sin for the express purpose of sharing the love of Christ. See, I'm not, I'm not ignoring the sin. I'm not looking past the sin and the fact that, you know what, it doesn't matter because it does. But I'm looking past the sin in this person's life for the express purpose of sharing the love of Jesus Christ. That's what acceptance is to me. As we talk about, you know, what is love? Well, we understand love. What is forgiveness? We understand forgiveness. Of the three, this is probably the most difficult to talk about or to share because where do you, how do you, what's that, you know, and I thought it was going to be fantastic and easy. And then I sat down and began to prepare this over the last few days and thought, well, I I don't know. (laughs) But then God began to show me that really, truly, you're not ignoring sin. You're not saying it's okay to be sinful. What you're saying is, for the moment, I'm going to look past the fact that you are walking in sin because I want to share the love of Christ with you. And what happens when you pour in the love of Christ in somebody's life, the sin begins to leave. And he began to show me that when Jesus began to minister to folks, he ministered to all kinds of wretched wrecks. He talked to people who were a mess and he shared with folks. But when he was finished, when he, was, when he healed somebody or when he took care of somebody's situation or when he spoke life into somebody, when he turned around and he walked away, he always said, go and sin no more. He got to them right where they were. He spoke to them right where they were, living in the mess and the muck that they were in. But then he turned around and he said, go and sin no more. And I think in our lives, in our world today, what we do is continue to stand for righteousness, continue to stand on the word of God and what is right and what is wrong, defined by that word and by his spirit. But that we love the folks who are walking in a mess. Some of you have been that folk. Some of you may be that folk. And we love you. (laughs) So really, truly, how can we continue to hold the line against sin yet reach out to the sinner jesus died for you and he died for me he came to share his love and he didn't care where we were it says and we talked about it last week romans 5 8 yet while we were still what sinners christ did what he died for us that means while you were still a mess while you were still a wreck while you were still wandering around in whatever, whatever sin you were wandering in, whether it be homosexuality or pornography or what, whatever those, see, those are all the heinous ones that make us like all uncomfortable in church. But that's what the world is going through. That's what folks are going through in this world today. Young people are being bombarded by all of these opportunities for choice and all of these things. We need to bind that in Jesus' name, begin to stand against that. There is power in prayer. There is power in agreement of prayer. There is power in intercession. There is power in speaking the word. There is power in standing for righteousness. There is power for standing for truth. There is power. But if you will not exert that power, then we are in trouble. It's not about some people sitting on Capitol Hill somewhere who, who do or don't exert that power. We are the ones really truly who give them the power that they have there. So we need to increase that We need to increase the power in our lives as we continue to pray and stand for righteousness, but can continue to really, truly increase the influence we have on those folks who sit there. Senator DeLuger found out real quick. He found out real quick how to tick off the people of Indiana. And what happened? He's not there anymore. Now, good, bad, or other, you know, I like him. He's a nice guy, and he's a pretty powerful guy in the Senate. And did they make the right choice? Did they not make the right choice? I don't know. But I do know this. He had no contact with reality and didn't understand the power of the people. 
There is power, folks, in who you are. Stand for righteousness, speak righteousness, pray righteousness, intercede for righteousness, and vote righteousness. You can make a difference that quick. We live in a different world today. We live in a, ver- in a world with the power of social media and all those different things. We live in a different world and a different society. Things can change and turn like that. All you have to do is exert the force that's on the inside of you. And it's not just the fact that you're on Twitter or Facebook. <laughs> it's, the, it's the power and the force that's on the inside of you by the power of God. Jesus sat down, and if you look in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus sat down and, and talked and shared with sinners. I think sometimes we, we, we want to argue with folks or, or we say, you know what, I don't want to invite that person to my house because they're a mess or we see somebody somewhere and they're walking obviously in sin or whatever we, we know or think. And, and then we, we, have, we all of a sudden begin to have this judgmental thought and idea about these folks. It says, as Jesus passed on from here, he saw a man in, in, in chapter 9, verse 9 of Matthew. He said, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office and he said to him, follow me. And so Matthew arose and followed Jesus, and now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in his house that, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. Those were all the nasty people of the time. Those weren't the good folks. Those weren't the folks who were walking in righteousness and the ones who were following the law. These were the messed up mean folks. These were the people that we would see today and think, man, that guy is walking in sin. In our world, who knows what that might be like, but it would be akin to somebody who's walking in the homosexual lifestyle, who's dealing with pornography, or who's dealing with, with, with all kinds of wicked things that are going on in the world. That, that's, what, that's what these folks were. And he even called them, you know, if you go down, he called them sinners. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners. And when Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, they do. He said, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. I think we have to realize as we talk about acceptance, he didn't come to save a bunch of people who were already saved. None of us were. In 1 Timothy, really, truly, 1.15, it was Paul speaking. And he said, I, I am so glad that he gave his life for me because I was the sinner, and really, truly, I was the chief sinner, Paul said. I, I'm very thankful. And how many of you know, you, you were good at sinning. But I hope you were just as glad as I am that somebody was still praying and somebody was still loving and somebody was still caring enough to pour out into you that acceptance that Jesus gave them. See, the fact that he picked you up in the muck, in the mire, sometimes we forget that when we get good and clean. See, when we get ourselves all worked up and headed down the right path, we forget the fact that, you know what, we were a bit of a mess. We were a little crazy. We didn't pay attention to a lot of things. And thank God that Jesus came and died on that cross for you and for me. See, because the truth is, you can't clean yourself up to be saved. Ephesians in chapter 2, you can turn there, it's verse 8. You can't clean yourself up any better than I can. We've tried. The devil tells folks that's the case. He tells folks that all the time. You can't, you've, been, you've been through too much. How many of you have either ministered to somebody or maybe you had that thought yourself that said, you know what, I've just been through too much, can't possibly be for me. I've shared it before and I, and I continue to teach this. When you deal with young people, it's important for them to realize this is not the end of their world because the devil tells them immediately it is, it's over. 
in our world, in our life, we were 20 years old, not married, pregnant. We had problems. We had issues. And that was just the beginning. But it wasn't over. The road might have been a little tougher. <laughs> might have been a little bit more of a walk. People say, well, where? Because they talk about Daniel, and he graduated from Purdue, and we, people ask me all the time, well, where were you at 23? Oh, nowhere near where this kid is. But I wouldn't trade it. But nowhere near that. But I'll tell you, the enemy would come and tell you all the time, your dream is dead. What you thought you were going to do, you're not going to be able to do anymore. You have this responsibility, you have that responsibility. You've made too many mistakes. Now you've walked in sin too long. Now there's no opportunity for you. That's not true. I couldn't get right in my own strength to come to Christ. I couldn't get rid of the sin in my own life to come to him. I needed to be accepted, and I needed to be loved, and I needed to be forgiven right where I was, just like you. And it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, that it was not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It says in Ephesians 1, 6, if you turn back a page, it actually says that he is the one who truly has bring, brought us and made us accepted in the beloved. See, he has made us accepted in the beloved. We couldn't ourselves be accepted in that family, but he made us acceptable in that family. That's why we have a message title that says acceptance of the unaccepted or the unacceptable or whatever. What's the title? Yeah, it's a good title. Accepting the unacceptable. Yeah, who made that? That's a good one. It's catchy. <laughs> it's memorable. Yes, it is. <laughs> memorable to some. I mean, you may be in that place today. You may be in a place where you say, you know what? I, I just don't feel, I don't feel accepted. Not amongst people. Maybe that's true. But really, truly, first and foremost, in your relationship and in your walk with Christ. That's really important. And it doesn't matter that you've been saved two months, ten years, five. It doesn't matter. We all face those moments and those times that, that the enemy comes and says, you know what? You just, yeah, that's it. That was the last straw. You did it again and you weren't supposed to, so now you're out. That's not true. Now, sometimes in our life as we begin to do this and as we begin to walk in acceptance, not just receiving acceptance, but we begin to walk in it with the people who are around us, we begin to think I'm giving you a free pass. If I accept you as who you are, if I begin to share, if I begin to sit down with you and begin to explain the gospel or to pray for you or whatever it might be in your situation, somehow that's giving credence to the fact that you're in sin and it's okay. That's not true. Jesus didn't sit down with folks. He didn't go to people and he didn't say, you know what? I know you're in sin and just keep doing it. He came and he sat down with folks and he poured out the truth. And then when they received the truth, he said, just go and don't sin no more. In Mark and in Matthew, at the end of the books, he gives us the commission that says, really, truly, go into all the world and make disciples. Go in and teach all these people. And it actually says in Mark, in chapter 16, it says, and those who believe will be saved. It doesn't say, wait till they come to church and get their life right and then lead them to Jesus. That doesn't make sense. He doesn't say, wait till they come in the doors of the church and then pour out all this goodness and this, 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 this acceptance. It actually says, go into all the world and do that. There's a real movement in the body of Christ today as people begin to look at the Word and realize that, you know what, like most of the ministry that went on in the New Testament church was outside the doors, not inside the doors. Now, that doesn't, that doesn't you know, say, okay, we don't have to have church anymore. 
because you don't forsake the assembly of the saints. It's important. But the idea is that the work, see, the work that they talk about in, in Ephesians, where it says that, you know, the fivefold ministry gifts, instruct and teach the folks who are in that place. Empower the people who have come in the doors and have come to Christ and whose lives are changing to go out and do and live and be part of the work of the ministry. Not just the work of the, see, we think, well, the work of the ministry, well, then I'll, I'll be a good usher. Or I'll be, well, we need ushers. We need nursery workers. If you want to be any of those things, let us know. We need those. But the work of the ministry is that stuff that says, I'm going to go out, I'm going to walk in love, acceptance, and forgiveness everywhere that I go because there's people out there who are lost. And I know it's a little heavy-handed, and I know we've been talking about it a lot, but for some reason it's important. For some reason it's important. God begins to stir our hearts as he begins to move in the world. He stirs our hearts before he begins to move in the world. Why? So that you'll be ready and you'll be on board. As we come toward the end of the, and it's not just something that happens at the end of August and through September as the 99 comes, but I'm telling you, as that period in time begins to come and the, and, and, and the world begins to shift time-wise to that place, it's going to be a great opportunity for us as a body and as a church to go out and practice the things that we've been learning and the things that God's been telling us. But it's not just for August. It's not just for September. It's for May, June, July, all the way through. In, in John chapter 8, if you look there, it's a story of a, of, of a young lady who's really, truly, she, she's in a bit of a mess. And Jesus was always running into folks like this. So if you think, well, you know what? I only run into folks who are a mess. Well, so did Jesus. <laughs> Count yourself lucky. I mean, I, you know, we're always looking for that one person who needs that exalted wisdom that we've learned over 20 years of being a Christian. We're looking for that person that's almost there that just needs a little boost into the next level in their life as they walk with Christ. And what we get are adulterers and homosexuals and people who are messed up and in the verge of divorce and all those things. And we go like, not that, what, why is this? No, I don't want that one. That's not what I'm here for. I'm not called to minister to that one. Well, you better wake up. Because until you do, you won't be ministering to anybody. But anyway, it says in verse 2 of chapter 8, it says, Now early in the morning, he came into the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and he taught them. So he's teaching the people in the church just like today. And then it says, Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman who was caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in, in adultery in the very act. Oh, how uncomfortable. <laughs> Young people around, so it's just, we'll stop at that. And it says, Now Moses in the law commanded us that we should stone her. But what do you say? So, I mean, this, this, this is a woman who, who and, and sure enough, Jesus is just going about his business, teaching folks and, and, and enjoying the time in the temple probably. Yet this woman gets dragged in before, who's a mess now. And they said this, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him by. But Jesus stooped down and he wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear them. And so when he continued, when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and he said, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Now we have, we have this temptation to say, yeah, but I'm not that bad. And that's as they, as they bring this lady to Jesus, that's basically what they're saying. I'm not that bad. I may be thinking some wrong thoughts. I may be doing a few. We said, we said you know, that sin really truly is just doing something God said not to do. Or not doing something he said to do. We've already, de we've already defined that a few months ago. I mean, that, that's sin in your life. So there's not a one of us who isn't dealing with an issue or a thing or a topic. 
But we like to say, well, mine's not that bad. So I get to look down on this person. I get to judge this person. Judge the sin. It's right or it's wrong. That's it. We don't judge the people. That's not our job. But Jesus says, whoever's among you who doesn't have any sin, let him throw a stone. And again, he stooped down and continued to write on the ground. Then as people heard it, they all began to filter away one at a time. And when Jesus had raised himself up in verse 10, and he saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers? Has no one condemned you? Oh, if that was today, that people weren't condemning and judging of folks, not issues, not sin. She said, no one was here. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Again, go and sin no more. If you look in Matthew in chapter 7, we'll head there and then we'll close. We're not trying to marginalize sin. We're not trying to say that it's okay. That's not, that's not what we're doing. That's not where we are. What we're doing is trying to win the sinner. We're trying to win the person who's stuck in the sin. The devil, man, he, he, he's, he's ruthless. He's deceiving. He's cunning. He's sly. You know what it was like in your life when he had his clutches on you. And you tried everything in your strength to get away. Now, really, truly, it was God's power and his anointing that broke the hold in your life, began to change who you were as he poured his love into who you. But I am telling you, somebody somewhere, whether it was a pastor or a friend or somewhere on TV, you heard somebody say something to you, something clicked on the inside of you. They were sharing his love. They were accepting you right where they were. And they were leading you to a point of his forgiveness in your life. He want, that's, that's the way it worked. And now when we come to this place, I get, I, get, I get just as irritated as you do when I watch the news. I don't watch the news much. I know the issues. I understand. And I realize that watching the news, as they continue to glorify the mess that's going on, and they continue to incite riot amongst the people, I am smart enough to realize that, that, that just sitting there and being incited is not good. I am already incited enough to pray, to stand, to vote, to speak. To act up, stand up and speak out or whatever it is that message Pastor Bill preached years ago. I'm, I'm already there. See, there's no money in the middle. There's money on the left and there's money on the right. That's why you see the wacko lefts and the wacko rights. The truth is the word of God. And I'm telling you what, if somebody began to speak that, I don't know how many people would cover it, but it would be the thing that would make the difference. It always does. It did in your life and it does in mine. And it says in Matthew chapter 7, judge. It says, judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with what measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Then it goes on and it talks about the speck in the brother's eye. And the, if you look at the speck in the brother's eye, then how can you see because of the plank in your own eye? The judging here isn't, is it right or is it wrong? The judging isn't whether or not the, the issue of gay marriage is right or wrong. It is wrong according to the Word of God. And we stand and we live and we proceed forward by the truth that's in the Word of God. That is wrong. But we love that person who was caught in that lifestyle and we will accept them 
as they come to Christ and begin to hear the word? How are you changed except somebody accepted you? See, we're not marginalizing sin. We're not saying it's okay. We're not saying it's all right to just do whatever you want to do. We're saying, you know what? That's wrong. Jesus said to the lady, you know what? I realize, you realize right now in this moment, in this place, that isn't right. But here's the deal. I don't condemn you for it. See, he offered up to this lady a way out. He offered up to her an opportunity for forgiveness, an opportunity for change. Why would she have to change if she wasn't in trouble? Why would he say go and sin no more if she wasn't already walking in sin? See, it's not always expressly written, but you got to realize he said go and sin no more. What she was doing was sin. She knew it. They knew it. Everybody in the place knew it. He didn't have to tell her. But he offered her an opportunity for forgiveness. You're not called to be a judge. You're called to love. And if you don't have love, what are you? See, we're not called to judge folks. We're not called to judge people. We know the difference between right and wrong as far as sin is concerned in the Word of God. We are called to love folks. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1 through 3. If you don't have love, what are you? See, if you go back and you begin to read that, and Donna will put it up there on the screen for you, but if you go back and you begin to read that, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says, Though I speak with tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all of my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. He commands us to go and walk in love, John 13. He asks us in Luke 6 to go out then and to love the folks who are unlovely. Love the ones who are mean, nasty, and walking in sin. Why? Because that's who he died for. Thank God, because if he didn't, none of us would be here, because after Adam and Eve, we are all born into sin. If he didn't die for them, he didn't die for you. But they're just, they know that they're doing it. Yep, yep, yep. They know, they, they know, they don't know. Hey, I'm telling you, they're a mess. Yep, yep, yep. They should know better. Yep, 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 they should. But Jesus didn't speak to this lady in the midst of adultery and say, excuse me, ma'am, do you know that's not right? Well, how long have you known that's not right? Then why haven't you cleaned yourself up and got it straight? Why haven't you fixed it? Why haven't you got out of that mess? You've been coming to church for two years. See, we we can get that way. That's all it is. It's just a clanging gong. Just clang, 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 clang. But he says, love is patient, love is kind. See, he goes on and he tells you, you're going to have to love them. You're going to have to love them. Not accept the sin, but accept the sinner. Because he died for them and he cares about them and he loves them. We make a stand. You make a stand for right and wrong. You vote righteousness. 
You vote your conscience by the Spirit of God. You stand up and you speak out when you have an opportunity to speak out. You express your rights as an American citizen to go out there and proclaim that righteousness is the truth and it is the way. And it really truly is the American way. You can go do all that stuff. I'm telling you it's true. But then go out in the doors and in the highways and the byways of life and prove that you're a believer. Prove that you're a Christian. Prove that you're a follower of Christ by loving and accepting and forgiving the folks who you come into contact with. The same people you're yelling at on the bridge. The same people that you're standing against at the abortion clinic. The same people that you're, you're yelling at at the courthouse as they, as they come against your right. you got to love that person. I want to punch them just like you want to punch them. I want to give them the real finger just like you do. <laughs> Not my opportunity. But spiritually, it's my, my, my stance and my choice. To say, you know what? I stand for righteousness and I love you and I care about you. And I want to share with you his love, his acceptance, and his forgiveness in your life where you stand today. That's what it's about. You can't fix him. You can't change him. Only he can. You can't say go and sin no more. Only he can. But you got to give him an opportunity. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.